So when you go in and you begin to worship the Lord, always praise and worship goes before the word. It precedes the word. He always, and then also worship goes before the battle when they sent Judah first. So prophetically, when she was playing those drums, what I saw in the spirit was the Holy Spirit was just going through this room, breaking strongholds off of you, declaring victory over you, and things were falling off of you. Every beat of those drums she was playing prophetically that's why it was a different sound so much that she's like what in the world just happened because she entered into intercession and I'm bringing I'm bringing it into you so you understand that is called prophetic intercession worship it's when you take your instrument and you enter into a place and Holy Spirit takes over. And he says, I'm going to pound in the Spirit. I'm going to declare you're mine, says the Lord. You are mine. And I just kept hearing it, hearing it, hearing it. And I could hear the chains falling off of you. I don't know who needs a healing in the house, but even healing is in the house. So even at this moment, I want you to stand to your and I'm going to close this here with prayer. I want you to lift your hands in this room. He came. For, there's a deliverance in this room at this moment. Maybe you don't believe in a delivering God. Maybe you've forgotten what it's like to have a supernatural touch of Holy Spirit in your life. He's in this room. This is what's so amazing. When we go into the place, what do you do in that place? The word is spoken. The anointing is here. And at this point, I believe that God wants to set you free right where you are. So we don't want to move out of this moment. So, so, so Grayson, you obeyed the Lord. So I'm starting with you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I declare anything in her life that needs to be removed is removed today. It's been cut off. It's her mind. It's made new. And I declare the anointing and the presence of the Lord. She will never be the same because of an experience with the Lord today. And then I pray from this room all the way across from the younger to the older that their voices are used as instruments in the spirit to, to, to ward off anything that comes against their families, against their bodies. We declare their bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We declare this house is the temple of the Holy Ghost and no weapon formed against them shall prosper. I declare health and healing and breakthrough and anointings and addictions to fall and stubbornness, wickedness, rebellion to loose your hold so that surrender and humility comes in this vessel in the name of Jesus. Can you just say I'm free? In Jesus' name, give him praise. Hallelujah. I'm, gonna, I'm not one to yell. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Oh, sorry. Hallelujah. We just bless the kids and pray a blessing on them today to have an amazing time and learn of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Now the Spirit doesn't stop moving. What it does is open the door in your mind and your heart to receive the Word. Amen? I sense, you know, the Word that the Lord has given me, it's not just for here. Even when I was pre preaching last Sunday, I was praying for you because I was writing the sermon for you. And I was writing the sermon for them, but I added to it today for even you. But last night, even the Lord gave me a word for your leaders.
But I believe the word that I have is for the church. It's for the church at large. And so I'm going to give you that word this morning to the best of my ability. I see it's 10 to 11, so I don't know what time you normally even start preaching or get out. So I'll just roll. How's that? You ready to hear the word? Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Are we up there? Do we have it up, uh, John? Is he? He's back. Okay, thank you. Hallelujah. So the title of my message is Arise and Shine. The very first slide, though, should be my scripture. Do you see that? There you go. So would you say this with me? Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Go to the next one. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. But the Lord, the next one, and the Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And the title of my sermon is Arise and Shine. I believe that this is Isaiah talking prophetically in Isaiah of the church in the last days. This is already proven that we see that Israel, he's saying because the light, which is Jesus, he's the light of the world. When he comes into the, the Jewish, the Messianic Messiah, he said the Gentiles are going to be brought into your light. And that's happening all over the world. But we also are the church of the last days. And this is talking about and the deep darkness shall cover the earth. But but the light of the Lord is shown upon you. And what the Lord has been speaking to me about and the burden that I have is that we as a church arise in America, that we arise in the United States of America, but also in the world, all over the world, that believers have the light of truth in the gospel. And he says that they're going to cling to us. They're going to come to us for the answer. Amen. And I believe that God wants there's a clarion call for the church to arise and shine forth the light of Jesus Christ. He also says to arise out of a dark place. He even says, Isaiah says, that what? That there was a deep darkness that went over the people. How many of you would say we see that and we are seeing that right now? The deep darkness is covering the earth. Do you think the darkness is not going to continue to cover the earth? Of course it is. The Bible says hell's enlarging itself. The Bible says that, that what's going to happen, right, that it's going to enlarge. Satan thinks he's going to win, right? But we know the church is going to rise up, right? We believe there's going to be a great falling away, but then there's going to be a great revival. And all of a sudden, the church is going to be seen, right? They're going to be able to see them so that God gives people opportunity to come to know him. And, of course, if you believe in the rapture, you think it's pre or you think it's mid or whenever we do believe we're going to be with the Lord right and we believe he's coming back again and he will set down on the Mount of Olives we will be with him and this is where we get so heavenly we get so earthly minded that we forget that we're in the world but we're not part of the world and so part of the burden in my heart is all the last years just being a pastor, trying to go through it just like you, and trying to keep the doors of two schools open and all the campuses and trying to, to, to work with all of that because I also work with Kingdom Life. And, and, you know, there's no way to say to you and describe to you what a year it was. But I can only tell you that even of all the struggles and all the concern and all of the day and nights of working and trying to keep people... 
online and trying to keep people getting up on their, their new digital or texting or get them up online, whatever we needed to do to keep the churches in motion, to be able to have church. There was a supernatural anointing and strengthening that gave us even what to do. Like I, even when we didn't know what to do, he gave us clarity as to what to do. So I give him praise and glory and honor because I know it was only by the help and the grace of God. And what the enemy meant for bad has done nothing but strengthen kingdom impact and strengthen kingdom life. And I don't know about you, but I can testify the very same thing in my life. That there's something that broke off of me last year that is real. Plus, I've also had two years of God putting a light on me. And I've been in a place, probably you would say, of great loss. At the end of the day, I've suffered great loss in the last three years. I've suffered a bishop who sat down. Who was my spiritual dad? I've suffered my physical father who had a nervous breakdown. Who was at the same time trying to help him. And my mother as well who's very sickly. Then my sister fell dead on October 21st. 60 years old. I was on the phone with her in 15 minutes after I hung up that phone. She collapsed. 127 pounds. Nothing wrong with her. We lost her. She never revived. 45 minutes. So I stand here, not as an office. I stand here to tell you that I'm better. I know him differently. There is something in my life that God has given me a clarion call for the church. And I do grieve for her. But I can tell you, if my father's watching today, I pray complete healing in his life. I declare that all the churches, this house, will rise up and build and be the light in this city. I declare that new people are coming to know him, to be broke, break free of all the chains that they have. I declare that there's going to be leadership that's coming in that's going to join arms with the mantle on this pastor. And I declare that the brokenhearted and the people that don't know what to do, you are going to be a light and healing to the world in this area. Can you bring me my water, please? Thank you. But I believe it's time for us to arise because something happened last year. Something happened that we got like days ago. More people learned. We had historians rise up. We had people that knows the history. I mean, I knew the history, but I didn't know the history like I know now. I didn't even know the Constitution like I know it now. But we had politicians stand up. We had people everywhere. Everybody became educated on everything. I would say that more was talked about in America and politically and uh, uh, historical than the word of God the church did not rise to the occasion the church split and was fragmented and fought by culture and they fought by political when we're supposed to not be about political we're supposed to be about biblical we have the word we have the spirit we have the light we have the anointing that when man doesn't know what to do we're going to come together you know that means we have understanding that means we have a love he says in the last days that they will overcome why? by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony there's another place he says they will know you by the way you love one another And I want you to know that I was with all the churches. And I can tell you it grieves me for how the enemy sidetracked 
us. Not everybody. Of course I believe that this troop rallied up and kept going. Of course I believe Kingdom Life never missed a beat on a flatbed truck. They never even missed a Sunday. It doesn't, I'm not talking about, there's not pockets of people that have prayed. But I want to know, what is it going to take for America to run to the house of God, fall on their knees, and cry for God to heal our land? He says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, right, cry out to God, will I not heal them? Humble, humility, prayer, bowing, calling out. Not on a soapbox, not judgment, not fire and brimstone. He says, no, come in and ask me to give you a word and guard each other and protect each other and pray. But we didn't have big prayer meetings. I don't know about your church, but we didn't. And I don't even know. I mean, we called for prayer, but I can tell you that intercessor says, no, we can't come together. You know, because we're not supposed to. We're like, well, I said, well, you know what? Get on the four corners of the property. Don't get near nobody. You just come park and get on one corner and lift your hands to heaven and declare that our people are protected, that our people are not going to be deceived. I don't know about you, but do you know what time it is? It is the last days. And so my spirit is just stirred. Now, am I saying you did any of that? You're wrong. No, because you know what? Nobody's been there before. But I hope if it happens again, you're going to, uh-uh, I ain't get caught up in that. I'm not even going to watch TV. I'm going to unplug it. America is not our God. I want America to do well, and I want the judicial Judeo-Christian values in our country. And we should be praying for America. We should be loving America. We should be uh, asking God for America. We should be respecting America. But our leadership and this country and our laws, this America is only a few hundred years old. There's something far greater in our history, and it's 2,000 years old. Did you know that? We're only a short time. And I'll even tell you this. When you study the book of Revelations and the return of Christ, America's not even mentioned. So I'm only assuming America's going to be with Israel and the believers in the church. The point is, we can get derailed. We can think something is exaggerated far more than what God is saying. Do you see what's going on? Don't miss me. Don't stop looking for me. Don't stop praying. Don't stop seeking me. Don't stop having understanding heart. Don't stop trying to figure out why are they why are they doing this? Why that was happening? It's pain. Do you know? It's called pain. It's called darkness. It's called deceiver of our. He is the God of this age enlarging himself but we have authority and power to arise and shine a light of hope that God would give you the word how to speak I believe that God is saying not only does the church but we as individuals we need to walk out of darkness and if you think there's no darkness well let me tell you there is darkness in every one of our fleshly lives We've been saved, set free. But even last night when we were talking about the leadership, we need God. No matter who we are. Pastor Doug just said, I need God. Every one of us, we raised our hands a few minutes ago. We want God to continue to transform our lives. 
It's something that we need to know. we got to keep walking out. It's a continuation. It didn't happen once. It's going to continue to the day of Jesus Christ. He's still working on me, and I'm a work in progress. Hallelujah. I don't even know. If, yeah, can you go to the next one? I'm so used to clicking it myself, Shelby. I believe to rise and shine, and I'm also used to seeing it in the back. We got to walk out of darkness. We got to continue to know there are steps to be made. We've got to continue to know that the Lord has called in anointings and callings in your life. You have giftings of the Holy Spirit that are irrevoked, we said last night. You have a purpose. Get on your purpose. What did God call you to? That's what he wants you to do. It's to have an urgency for your family, for the ministry, and for this city. That's where God planted you. He didn't wake you up and tell you, D, what do you think you should be born? I always say, well, if I was so smart, why didn't he just wake me up and get my opinion on it? And maybe I might give a better opinion. He doesn't work that way. He brought you. He appointed you. Brokenness and hurt and all the pain that maybe you've gone through. But during all of that, he has a touch on your life. He sees who you really are. He sees everything you can be that you don't even see that you can be. And I see the anointing on this house. It is a breaker anointing. It is for the homeless and the hurting and the broken. It is for those that may be rejected. This has already been prophesied to be a house come however you are and whoever you are can you say amen to that let me just clear this up we're neither democrat nor republican we're Christians we're neither democrat nor republican we're believers we believe in the Jewish Messiah we believe that he has come and we're in this world but we're not part of this world but while we're here God's got a work for me to do before I leave this earth and I just told you a 60 year old we celebrated her 60th birthday for 10 or 14 I see her birthday was the the uh, seventh and so we celebrated her birthday in 15 years I mean 15 days You, the point that I'm saying to you is this time is short, but we think we've got forever. And so many things that the enemy does, he enlarges it. He magnifies little bitty things, little bitty misspoken words. Spirit of offense is so huge. Am I right? He makes everything so big. How about we make God big? Sometimes I just want to get mad at the devil when it is nothing. Have you ever been in a situation where maybe a family member or somebody, and they're like, well, they're making something out of nothing. Well, I can't even see why they're mad. Not that that's right, but it's true, right? And you're like, what's the big deal? It's a big deal to them. But something went on in the spirit that, yes, it is obviously a virus we didn't know of. And we did follow the rules because we're going to follow the government. We're going to obey those in law enforcement over us. We're not going to, the Bible says, what, to honor those, right? We're going to pray for them. No matter who's there, we're going to pray for them and respect the office. Am I right? And get a hold of God. But I guess what I was looking for was this mad dash of people just calling me and saying, when can we get together and pray? Well, how are we going to pray against this thing? No phone calls came like that. And I began to talk to the pastors. And at the end of the day, people were praying, I believe, in their homes. I'm not saying they weren't because they were. But there's a lot of people that shifted churches. 
they decided the culture was became before the, the Spirit of God. Can I tell you, he says, once you know Jesus after the cross, it's neither male nor female, no Jew, no Greek. You're not known by your culture. You're not known by your gender. You're known by the Spirit of the living God. When he sees you, he sees himself. You were created in his image. And so what, do you, what does that mean? Yes, our culture is important. I think it's important for women, obviously, to be set free. Jesus redeemed women. He restored women. So thank God. If a woman gets set free because a woman's preaching today, I think that's awesome. But that's not my first call. My first call. And, and, and I was raised in the mountains. I mean, maybe, maybe the country is part of my culture. I don't know. But the point is, my first call is I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the Most High God who has imparted gifts in my life that I may spread the gospel, that I may overcome, that I may not be deceived. So if i got a word, it's to stir you today, to get on your post, get back on your mission. Don't you detour your life. You want your grandchildren and their grandchildren to know Jesus. And we certainly want America to flourish. We want America to thrive. We want America. They don't need to go back. They just go forward, right? Just go forward with Jesus. Go forward. If the church begins to cry out, there will be a landslide revival. Come out of darkness. Not only does the light bring us out personally, that bondage is broken off our lives, but it's also that we shine for others. It's a twofold purpose. He gave you the light. He restored you. He came into your life for you. He loves you before he uses you. He didn't save you to use you. He saved you to be with you and you to be with him. But you have the light in you so you can't help but just be a beacon. He didn't say or call us to be flashlights. I told him last night. He didn't call us to have a flashlight within that we run everywhere pointing the light on sin and pointing the light of judgment and pointing the light and quoting things that don't even have anything to do with us. At the end of the day, God says, be the light and I'm going to draw men to you he said in Matthew Jesus words you're going to be the light he said and like Tiberius when he was at Galilee and you look up it's the only hill there and he says you're going to be like right there up on a hill a city because at night you could see Tiberius to this day because it happens to be one of the cities and the places he did not curse amen the ones that he cursed they're not there (laughs) but the one that he never went there he never cursed Tiberius is still there. And at night when we stay at Pilgrim House, we look across the lake, we see Tiberius and all the city. He said, that's who you are. That's who you're going to be, Wilmington. Kingdom impact. You're going to be a city. You're going to be this bright, illuminating light of Jesus Christ. It's not you, your culture, your name, and all your good deeds that you think you did. No, it's him in you. And when you come together, you're going to be a beacon of hope. And they're going to show them the way to Jesus. So we have to stay on purpose and on mission. And of course, when you go out, you're the light on your job, in your home, in your families. You're the light wherever you are, your neighborhood. But sometimes we think that our job is to go around and convict man of sin. It is not. We're not living in a day of judgment. We're living in a day of grace. It's a moment of grace, of love, 
and transformation. I don't know about you, but I want to agree with that. I want to agree with that over alcoholism, over drug addicts, over divorcees who are struggling by themselves, single moms or seniors who are depressed and don't understand why they can't pay the bills. I want to be a light of hope that gives them courage and hope. How about you? So understanding who we are. The second point to arise and shine, I believe, you have to seek to see. And you're like, well, what in the world does that mean? Well, the Lord kind of gave me this. I was going down uh, uh, to Franklin a few weeks ago. And the Lord, as I was sitting there, and it was like, well, you know, uh, Holy Spirit was showing me, well, you know, whatever you seek, whatever you want to see is what you seek. And you seek to confirm it. You seek to defend it. And you seek to make, make sure everybody knows it. In other words, if your mindset is made up, it, let's use the big hot word right now is vaccin- vaccination. Now, vaccine. Well, I can tell you I'm not for it or against it, so just stop. Let's get that off. It's an example. But if you're for the vaccine, you will look up every reason why the vaccine has worked for years and rid the country of many viruses. And you will listen to videos and you'll get on that. But if you're against vaccines, you're going to find every video for what could happen with that vaccine and you're going to send it past Tammy because I got them both. I was inundated with both. And I'm like, I see that and I see that. But the Lord impressed upon me. If our minds are so made up, we're not seeking to seek Him. We're trying to defend an opinion that we have. You know what that's called? Human nature. That's why He says in Romans 12 and 1, He says what? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That never stops. Transformation never stops. Be transformed. By how? How does transformation come? Renewing your natural carnal mind to the power within of the Holy Spirit that renews your mind. Now, I put all that in there. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. That word but means just do the opposite. And he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Say it with me. Good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It does not come by Fox News. It does not come by CNN. It does not come because you gather with people and quoted all the history. Renewing of the mind comes by the Word of God and the power of Holy Spirit in our lives and those around us. The transformation is supernatural. We cannot save ourselves. That's why we needed a Savior. But tonight, in this evening, we'll begins to celebrate Usher in Shavuot, which is the Feast of Pentecost on the Hebraic calendar. So this evening, all over the world, they're going to be celebrating this Holy Spirit that was given for our deliverance, for our ability to hear the truth, for our ability to see Him in the earth. Is because of the Holy Spirit spirit that he sent here this morning how many of you felt the holy spirit inside and out in this place but verse 3 is one that most people don't quote romans 12 and 3 paul gives a warning right after that don't think you're better than you really are be honest with yourself measuring yourself by the faith that i've given you 
In other words, measure yourself by the word of God. Measure yourself as you submit to the Lord. Wow. In other words, it's, I, I say this same thing, and John Maxwell said it probably 30 years ago. It's not who you are that's going to hold you back. It's who you think you are. Because we always think ourselves more highly than what we are. So sure, you got people who don't think good about themselves. I'm not talking about brokenness and hurt and pain. I'm talking about ideology. I'm talking about education. I'm talking about experiences, whatever, your own mindset. We have a strong will. That's what happened in the garden. The will of man chose to not listen to God. And there was a failure in the garden. But let me tell you this about the garden. Maybe you've never noticed this. But at the garden when he put them out. He put those flaming swords at the gate. And so many times in my life. I, was, I grew up thinking that they were put out of the garden. Right? Put out of the garden. Never to return. Put out of the garden. But that scripture says that he put a flaming sword. The way back. To the tree of life. He wants us back in. He doesn't cast us down. He wants to draw you in. He wants you to renew your mind. He wants to speak to you fresh revelation. He wants you to understand. And unless you're seeking him with an open mind. With your hands down. With your mouth closed probably right. And our hearts bent to him. I would say it takes a long time before we can actually even hear a word from him. God says he loves a broken and contrite heart. One that's yielded to him. And those are the people that will be used in the last days. Not know-it-alls. Arrogance. Pride. Judgment. It will not come into his presence. And it will be no difference. Can I tell you what my heart is? It's like, oh God. And I'm not judging the Christians either. I don't mean to come off that way. It's just an urgency in my spirit. But I can tell you, of course, we're going to stand and measure ourselves. He says, measure yourself lest you, right? Humble yourself lest he humbles you. The truth is, is that with the Holy Spirit, I don't really need anybody to tell me about me. How about you? Now, don't look at your spouse because I'm sure they'd love to tell you. But the real truth is, sometimes we can't see things about ourselves. But I believe the power of the Holy Spirit can do that. In your life. And he does it without destroying us at the same time. Which takes me to my next point. And I will say to you. That we must continue to seek his plan and his purpose. So I would encourage you to seek to really see him. To really see what job you're supposed to be on. There's a lot of things that shifted for the good. There's a lot of things that people wondered. But there's a lot of things that shifted for the good. Matter of fact, the, the year 5781 in 2021 means a divine reset that began last September in case you didn't know that. That's what, the word, that's what the numbers mean. Divine reset. Prophets all over the world. Well, I would say we had divine reset, all right. Because we realized what was most important. Did you not realize that? And if, and, and if you did have any problems with your family, you got over them quick because you had to live together. That's truth, right? You're like, dear God, please deliver us. I got to go to work, get out of these places with these people. I had mamas tell me, I got to send these kids to school. I'm about to die. <laughs> and then I had other mamas were just thrilled. It was, you know, so wonderful. But then I had plenty of mamas lost their religion. 
over it, right? Because that's the natural side of man, and that's the point, that we need God every single part of our lives. I want to look at the next point, faith. We will need faith to arise and shine. Faith, and I put in here resist doubt. Because faith is a measure you've been given to believe that God is. Right? But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So it's a progression. You have to continue to hear the word. You have to continue to see the word. You have to continue to get with people that are prophesying and exhorting you and coming into worship. And You have to work and be persistent to grow. Would you say yes to that? And so in order for your faith to grow, what is the temptation that comes? Doubt. So we have to, what does he say? Submit to God, which means agree with God. Resist the devil. He didn't say go hunt him down and whatever. He said resist his words, resist his tactics, resist him. Resist his way. Resist his excuses and resist justification. Because where we are changed in transformation is confession and humility. So we resist him and he will what? What happens? He runs, he flees because you have no place in you. Jesus did not sin because he had no place in him. I don't know about you, but I can't imagine the day when eternity, when I step into eternity and, well, I'm going to be perfected, believe it or not. And I will probably know then what it's like to not deal with the lust of the flesh and the carnality of my mind and my flesh. But until then, we can't rebuke the flesh so we wouldn't have breath. Right? But we're supposed to transform the flesh because he died for us. He says, I have, you have been crucified with Christ. That means because we're celebrating this evening, Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, it was an empowerment that enables you to live in righteousness and holiness. It, it, it ignites you. It is imparted in your life that you can be an overcomer, which is really what I'm going to close with. The word doubt here means, the Greek definition of the word doubt means, listen to this, to withdraw from. I've always thought, I mean, I know doubt means, you know, to part, go between two decisions. And, and there's an English version of that that says that mostly leaning towards the negative is what doubt is. But when you look up the Greek word that's actually in the Bible, it says to withdraw from. Withdraw from who? Withdraw from Jesus. Withdraw from your purpose. God gives you a word and you doubt. You withdraw from him. You withdraw from the word he gave you. You withdraw from your faith. That's what it is. And you never, it's easier not to obey sometimes. It isn't because in the end he brings you back around. But it's easier, right, to just withdraw. And that is doubt. And withdraw from your mission. Here's another one. The Vines Bible Dictionary says, Doubt means to listen to this, to be without a way. I just read that in my house and I jumped up and said, Oh my Lord, oh God, please, the next time I have a doubt, I'm going to scream as loud as I can. Jesus is the way, he is the truth and the life. I want to tell you, no matter what mess you got going on, no matter what thing the enemy would have you believe that you're captive to, no matter what, how many people leave you, how many people betray you, there is always a way in Jesus when you have faith. To doubt is to be without a way. You remove the way of 
Jesus when you doubt. He cannot work in doubt. Faith pleases God. Faith accomplishes the plan in your life. How about this? Here's part two of that definition. It means to be without resources. Doesn't that make you just say, okay, I can't do that ever again. I'm saying I'm not sure about that because I don't I doubt that he has the resources or I have the resources or somehow this is going to be funded or somehow somebody's going to come and help me. That's to be without resources. How many of you know that he owns the cows on a thousand hills? Everything he has is at access, including all the angels of heaven that he sends down on our behalf, working spirits, working on our behalf working it out for us the Bible says the righteous the righteous way is ordered by the Lord set before the Lord directed is a word in the King James book but it means ordered and fashioned before you were born God has a plan for your life how many of you say Jesus I don't want this world to transform me. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, by this word and by the Holy Spirit. Don't be deceived. Temptation is at hand. Temptation was everywhere. Doubt is temptation. To not believe is temptation. And I'm talking to people that have been saved for many, many years. This is not for just young Christians. Matter of fact, some of the young Christians might have been radical enough to probably have faith. Maybe the word, maybe Jesus is coming. Do you know the church doesn't even look at the eastern sky anymore because they're not even looking for the Messiah to come. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 said that he will not put more on you than you can bear that he will not make I never saw this until I wrote this message that he will not make a what uh who knows the word a way of escape I'm like Jesus the next time let this memory come up in me the next time I think there is no resources the next time I think there is no way this is going to happen I'm going to stand up and say there's always a way because Jesus is leading me this way and he's going to provide for me I refuse to doubt one more day and if it's too much for me show me the escape route I want the way that I get out of this When you begin to talk like that, the enemy runs. He cannot stand the proclamations and declarations that you are making agreement with his word. That's how Jesus overcame the temptations. He spoke the word. If the gospel was removed today from America, how much word do you know? How much word have you memorized? How much word have you put in your children, in your grandchildren? But let me back it up. How much football do you know? How many people that play on those teams? How many people now is in Congress? We know all that. How many people on the football teams does your children know which team to look for? We have mixed with the world. I'm not saying, I'm not sitting here talking about what you wear and you grow up with what you wear and all. No, holiness is in the heart. It's idolatry that I'm talking about. Covenant with God. When they came down from the mountain and Moses had the Ten Commandments, we talked about it last night. This evening we're going to celebrate Shavuot. We're going to celebrate Pentecost at sundown for the next two days, the high holy days. 
And guess what? Israel's going to celebrate Pentecost. No matter what's going on on Gaza Strip. They're in charge, by the way. They're in charge. They're allowing to happen what they want to happen. And they're pushing back the enemy and showing him he cannot. He cannot tempt them nor threaten them. Right? We don't even understand that because America's spoiled. America's got it made. America's entitled, right? America, come on now. I don't want it to get bad before we fall on our face and ask God to help us. Do you know you could be the only light for your entire family? Do you know God could have put you on a job so that 30 people will come to know Him and you're too busy worried about yourself? I'm really not trying to beat you up. I'm just urgent with the Lord. Finances is a huge test of doubt. A huge test of doubt that we want to hoard up, we want to hunker down, and we want to say, but he says, give it and it shall be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. If you've never passed a money test, he will not allow you to go forward. I'm going to tell you this with the wealth because he don't want you to go to hell. So until you pass the money test that everything you have belongs to God, you're going to still continue to get struggle. Everything's not going to be able to meet the needs because he's not first place in faith and your resources in his life. And let me tell you this. It's not about giving the tithes. It's about not touching the tithes. It's about honor and respect and know that that belongs to the Lord. And then when you begin to give your first part, everything you have is your, is the Lord's. And the enemy cannot come and eat up. He may tell you he will, but I'll tell you what. He will bring in somebody else and give you another job. You'll get promotions. Your tires will go last longer. I'm serious. God will always provide for his people. Why do we believe part of the word and not all of the word? But money and greed is a God in this earth. And we must yield from that. He wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to be successful. He told us to feed the poor, not be poor. We're supposed to lend money, not borrow money. The church should be wealthy so that we can accomplish the finances and the resources we need to do ministry. Do you say amen to that? It's God's system. I didn't build the fraction. How many of you memorized the multiplication? Well, I did not build the tenth. He did a long time ago. Because again, if he asked us, we'd probably have a lot of debate. Right? Yeah. A lot of debate. The next one in John, I don't know if John put in my the screen. Can you go to the next one? Yeah, Shelby. Sydney, I'm sorry. She's asleep back there. Well, praise the Lord, I need to speak on this a little bit more. Let me get somebody. So, brother, will you come help me right here? What's your name? Yes. Jay. Jay. And I need somebody like, let's see, who I want to get here. So, Sydney, you come help me after you get that going. Do you all the only one to get that going? Go, go, somebody go forward that for me to my scripture. I need the next slide with the scripture that John put in. Ecclesiastes. And I don't know if the camera can see you, but you can come up here if you need to. Yeah. 
over here. So, you got my scripture? There it is. Let's read this scripture. If the axe is dull and he does not sharpen his edge, then he must exert more strength. But wisdom to sharpen the axe helps him succeed with less effort. How many of you exhausted, wore out? You're just wore out. You're struggling and everything you seem to do is exhausting. Well, I'm going to give you a word that the Lord has given to me. And he brought it to me again in Ecclesiastes 10. You guys get one of these things. Over here. Right. They brought them in here for my sermon. Be careful now. Coming behind me. Now, I want you to know what this scripture means to me. Is if I need a tree cut down and I'm going to have a contest... I'm probably going to bank on this guy right here. Right? Because he's bigger. He's stronger. That's okay. And if he is, it's a good thing he's not a guy because then he'll be like, what? But here's the next thing. He's not too smart. You know why? He hasn't been sharpening his axe. His axe is dull. His axe gets his spiritual... When he comes to church and know the time, not that you do. We know who you are, life group leader. Okay? His axe is dull. But this little thing is mighty. Because she's been sharpening her axe. Look, pull it up, Eric, like he's sharpening it. She's working not up and down. Lord, don't cut your hand. There you go. <laughs> Woo, Jesus. Going to pray for anointing and everything to heal it. But this, this blade is sharp. It's fine-tuned. She's pressing in. She's fasted. She's staying close to the Lord so she can hear. And the world is not entangled in her brain and in her mind. So when it comes time to cut that, to hit that tree, come on over here so you don't hit us. She's going to take it and act like you just broke easy that way, though, that you're going to hit the tree. Yeah, and you're probably going to put your hands further down. Yeah. And she's going to raise it up. And she's going to precision it right. Oh, no, no, you got to help me. Don't give it to me. <laughs> she's going to hit it exactly in the spot. Because the Lord has already been speaking to her. And she's got a big problem going on. But he will tell her how to raise the spirit of the Lord in her life. And to precision cut that tree down. And this scripture talks about that the strength. And when you sharpen your axe with the word of God. That you're not going to be wore out. And he says but wisdom which is the. Which is the Spirit of the Lord that gives us this. The Holy Spirit that says, come be with me. Come pray with me. Come play worship. Why are you doing that? Get up early, 4 a.m. and go pray for your family. So when calamity comes and tries to steal your child, you're saying, oh no, devil, I prayed for that. I've been praying for that a long time ago. And I'm going to pick up my axe and I'm going to chop that thing down by the Spirit. You can go ahead. Thank you. Let's give them a hand. So I would say to you, in order to rise out of the situation of the natural, you've got to sharpen your axe. You've got to.
to sharpen your heart. You got to sharpen your mind. And it's not two minutes. You got to press in and let God school you. Let Holy Spirit teach you. He said He came to teach and to guide us into all truth. And that is during the pandemic. Even President Lincoln said, What is one of his famous quotes? I wrote it down here. Let's see if I've got it. President Lincoln says, who was a man of faith, by the way, loved Israel. President Lincoln said, if I had eight hours to cut down a tree, I would spend six hours sharpening my axe. I would say that's a great leader who learned how important it was to be ready, to be on target. You child gets a fever or starts having seizures. You don't have time to pray. Dear God, forgive me, I haven't talked to you in a month and I haven't been to church and I haven't paid my tithes. Not that that we do any of that to get close to him, but you're not even near him because you don't have conversations with him. But how many of you know you pray real fast? Oh God, forgive me all my sins. Okay, God, please heal my child. Does he heal your child? He does because he loves you that much. But you're far from him. You're walking at a distance or you just do enough to get by. Do you know if you measure yourself by the rest of the carnality of the world, you look pretty good. But when you measure yourself by the things of God, He begins to convict your heart and you recognize that He's truly not the God of your life. Hallelujah. The next one, and just take me and I'm going I'm to try to get through these quickly. Serve, arise and shine. So many people believe that serving, what is it's you know, why? It's given to me. We're living in the most selfish generation. I, well, maybe it's becoming more selfish. I don't know. I think that the Z generation wants an encounter with God. I believe the Z, Z generation wants experiential uh, uh, ministry back. I believe that God's doing something in the Z generation, our younger generations. But I believe that to serve and I began to think about this when David do you know the most notorious moment in David's life well there was probably a couple when he was anointed king he was out serving he was out being a shepherd boy but the one of the most notorious things that made him a great warrior out into the land that made people know the power and the calling of the king upon his life was the day not that he went to the front lines to relieve those brothers not because he took armor or he took some machine guns to go help them or or that he's going to relieve them not that he went up there to school them on how to shoot what he went because his daddy told him to go take them food As he was serving, one of the most notorious things that he ever did, that God did through him, was what? Kill Goliath. We think it's about going back and serving the kids. Well, you know, i got to go sacrifice. I can't be in church. Well, my goodness, you got six days a week to go get with Jesus. That doesn't even make sense. Because we're so selfish, self-centered, that we don't know really what it's about to come and serve. I'm not saying every week go back there. But I'll tell you what, every few weeks you should go back there. Or every somewhere that you're serving, or they're serving food, or they're cleaning the church. Or they're doing something here. They're saying, brother, you want us to come clean the windows? What can I do to serve the house of the Lord? 
I'm not only been called to live in this in the wonderful blessing of my life, but I'm called to serve. And when you're serving, while you're putting your hands to that, God's going to bring in those giants that you will slay them. You will have authority over them because he says the greatest in my kingdom are what? Servants. They're the greatest in the kingdom. So we must bow to our selfish nature. We must bow to the time that's in our hands. We must understand where we are and who God has called us to. I'm going to end with the final one. I believe more than a conqueror. You probably remember I brought up some of this because the Lord's been speaking to me about more than a conqueror. And at the, at the executive staff, I was ministered to the pastors. And I said, have you ever thought about this? And of course, I grew up, you know, we sung songs more than the conquerors. But something the Lord has spoken to me in the last six weeks. You know, to be a conqueror is enough. If you were called a conqueror, would you be happy? That's pretty good. You, so it's kind of like this. A general goes to the front line and he conquers that battle. And before he gets to the next place of war, the word goes out that he won the war. They're tough and there's a God with them. And the word would go out for Israel. Even when Rahab, who is, she says, the Bible says that she heard that they serve a God that was mighty with them. And she was not even a believer. Matter of fact, she was, she was a harlot. She was a, she was a prostitute that lived on the outskirts of the wall there. That, that was a prime place, though, for her to be used for a miracle. Do you know Rahab's entire lineage? It's exciting if you ever study Rahab. Because Rahab not only brought in the Jewish men that were spying out the land and was knowing that there's something about her to respect God. I don't know him personally, but I know. I know there's something out there. She had faith to believe. She opened up her home. Now here's the thing. She wasn't married and her father was the head of the house. But somehow Rahab convinced the father and the entire household that she had heard from the right place and that this is what they're supposed to do and so when she hid the spies we know that they told her to throw the crimson cloth out of your window no different than the Passover when it came from Egypt when the death angel came by he will go over you just put out that red cloth that crimson cloth and they will know that that God will see that you are one of his we know the story but what happened to Rahab Rahab actually married a Jewish Hebrew in the tribe of Levi so she, or Judah so she ends up marrying a absolute quality Jew who also what ends up in the line of Jesus ooh is that amazing so all through the gospel, he restored women. All through the gospel, even the Messiah, there are four Gentile women in the lineage. If you read it in Matthew, they're Gentiles. He used brokenness. He used people, even as the way, the path that he would come. That we know that Ruth and Boaz, we know that she was the lineage that came all the way down that would produce the line of Messiah. It was a supernatural encounter that she had that day. Hallelujah. That's really a Mother's Day message. But more than a conqueror, what that means is you don't just conquer. It goes beyond 
that battle. It's more than that moment. It's more than the moment that you just won that victory. In other words, it's kind of like a football team. When there's absolutely undefeated, they come to the field. And you know that the other football team is already tore up. They're already struggling because they already know that team has already been undefeated. There's something that goes on. So they're more than a conqueror. They're more than that it goes beyond it. Matter of fact, it's a super term. It's a superhero term, by the way. If you like superheroes, guess what? You are more, according to Paul, than more than a conqueror. You're a superhero with a superpower on the inside of you. He says the word here means... Uh, the conqueror means is hype, hype. I, I know it, but my brain just left me. Hyperconicomin, and it means the nik. She didn't wear a shirt, but last night she had on Nike. And the word that middle word nik is where Nike got its word from, conqueror. That's the Greek word that they got nik, and it means to overcome. The word hyper. How many of you know what hyper is? You got any grandkids hyper? Got any husbands hyper? What are they? They're obsessively over the top. Radical, right? Over. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. So overly, it means to be extra obsessive over and beyond and more than. So here we are with this conqueror. We are Overly obsessive and more than a conqueror. We're way beyond what you can think is one battle. Because when the word is out that you have conquered something in your life, the word goes out to hell. It goes out to all of your enemies. It goes out to every assignment in your life. And they can hear she has already, oh my, she's more than a conqueror. The word begins to go out before you and conquers and intimidates and destroys the enemy by your battles that you have won how about a lion we were talking about this you know a lot of times animals when they're wounded then they say they die but a lion fights to death so if a lion is proven if his wounds heal and another lion comes to fight him he immediately sees the wounds on the lion and he is intimidated because that lion fought for the death. But guess what? That lion won. And so already there's a power of more than a conqueror before he even goes into battle. So when you get yourself thinking like this, all of a sudden when you get a victory over an addiction or you don't do a temptation that the enemy wants to seduce you in, you're more than a conqueror. It goes out to the enemy when he sees you coming. He's like, oh, look out. They've been in a battle, but I see the scars. I see the wounds they're healed and they are more than a conqueror I have wounds you have wounds but those wounds healed are fierce in the battle against the enemy they intimidate him why do we not recognize the power and authority that is in our life it's time that we arise and we shine let's stand up today Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to tell you like I told our young people just a few weeks ago. 
What do you have to lose to go all in? What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose to really be the man and woman of God that He's called you to be? Well, you might lose depression. You might lose discouragement. You're going to lose everything that the enemy robs your joy, he robs your peace. You're going, to, you're going to lose the torment. He would have you think that if you save your life, you'll keep it. But he says, no, if you give up your life, you will save it. It's the opposite. What your mind tells you to do, be sure to do the opposite. Pretty much it's about right. Your mind tells you to hold back and don't give. That's when you should open the floodgates. Oh, the devil don't want me blessed. <laughs> oh, I will not listen to that voice. I believe that God wants to bring such tremendous de deliverance in the ministry here in this house to the believers. Not just that you are really walking in faith and freedom. And that none of this says you're not perfect. None of this says that you're perfect. I'm just identifying the light that's in you and who he is. That you're everything. And I, wasn't, I did it last night, but let me do it. Before I do it, I'm going to tell you who you are at the end of this service. I want you to close your eyes this morning. These are not my words. These are the word of the Lord. He sent me here to remind you who you are. He sent me here, no matter how old you are, how long you've been a believer, then there's no weapon formed against you, even in the earth, that could ever stand against the voice of God, the power of Holy Spirit. There's no force. It may seem like you're losing. It may seem that the battle has been lost. But I want you to know there's another battle that's around the corner. And God's going to send the angels to support you. But He needs your faith. He needs your trust. Somebody's bullying you at school. God will fight your battle. You just hold your head high and you press in. And you get other people to pray with you so that you don't lose your cool. Somebody at your job is teasing you, mocking you, making fun of you. You just hold on. God will restore you. Maybe, maybe it seems like you're, you're being passed over for a raise. Put that money that you think you should be making, put it in the offering. Begin to pay that. Begin to speak that. Begin to put that in. I know for a fact there's a person in this congregation that paid way before he ever even got that salary. He started paying what he thought he should make and he was worth. And now he makes that today. Now he pays more. You see, God has a way of doing that on the inside. He has a way of leading us to things that bring breakthrough in our life and break off things that are our God. All the Pentecost is a reminder. Everything about Pentecost is that we don't want idolatry in our life. When they melted that golden calf and they came off of that mountain and Moses was so upset and he tore down those, threw down the, the word of the Lord that they had gotten 50 days after they had come out. And now what happens? They, could, they, they couldn't receive. They took the very blessing that God had given them out of Egypt and they melted it and worshipped it. Today, America melts down the blessing and they build up boats and cars and second and third houses. I think all of that's wonderful as long as Jesus is first. As long as you're putting pastors up and you're praising God and you're teaching in that stuff, He wants you to be happy, He wants you to be full. 
But he wants you to be free today. If there's somebody in the room that you need prayer, you don't have to say. Just lift your hand for time. I'm going to speak something over everyone. Lift your hand. Something in this message that you know God has stirred you up. Yes, yes. Come on. Somebody else. Yes. All over this room. Every, almost every person could probably lift their hand. That I know that I need. I need the Lord in this. Some things that God has shook me up and telling me, get back on my post. Stop sharing my mind with the world. And get my mind on Him. Hallelujah. Anybody else? I'm going to give you. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. Yes. I see that hand. You don't know Jesus as your personal Savior in this room. Would you lift your hand that you want to recommit? Or you want to speak? You want to pray today that you don't know Him? Lift your hand in this room. Somebody wants to know Him. Okay. So I believe God right now. Would you just lift your hands all over this room? If you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. It's just a sign of surrender. Because we all are sinners saved by grace. Do you know that? None of us, all of us fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us need a Savior. When you're lifting your hands, you're saying, God, I surrender. I give you my mind and my heart. Free me from this bondage. Free me from the world. Renew my mind this morning. Deliver me. Set me free. Set me free from addictions. Go ahead. Just begin to pray right out of your spirit right there. Let God bring breakthrough in your life. And I declare breakthrough of anointings. In this room, I just agree with the anointing in your life for breakthrough and addictive spirits and addiction. And how about generational curses to be broken off of you? I declare that our minds are not full of things of the world, but they are full of you, God. We're giving you space today. We're giving you, we're emptying all the stuff we made agreement with. Oh, it might have been some really good points, but really it's not the point that's going to bring about your salvation in America it's not your point God that's going to bring about my life of freedom in the world in my family and my children so God I give you my life I give you my heart forgive me of all of my sins forgive me of every time that I have just been caught up and not I have not sharpened my axe I've stopped sharpening I've lived on my whole life of what I've known but today I want to sharpen my axe I'm going to make a place tomorrow of devotion I'm going to begin to pray. I'm going to begin to press in. I'm going to begin to get a plan for my life. And I give you glory and honor. And I thank you for what you're doing in Wilmington. And one more prayer. Father, I declare that Wilmington Kingdom Impact will be the light in the city. I declare an evangelistic spirit and anointing be released over every one of these people. It is their job to go out and bring people into the house of the Lord. His job is to equip them. Their job is to beget sheep. Sheep beget sheep. The shepherd lead the sheep. And the shepherd train the sheep. God, this is not just on his shoulders. This is on this congregation shoulders this world needs Jesus this world needs you and I ask you now to release them in Jesus name amen can we give the Lord praise hallelujah hallelujah I want to read something over you and I want you to lift your hands again because it's again just a you know Jesus and because you know Jesus in this house everything I'm going to say over you is in the Word. I'm going to speak who you have in you and what you have in you. Are you ready? You might want to stand up for this if you're not, if you can. You have a faith that can move mountains. Your faith 
is him in you. Do you understand? You have that faith. You have a shout that can bring down the walls. You have a joy that cannot be explained. You have a peace that passes all understanding. You have a grace that's all sufficient in you. You have gifts inside of you that will never be taken back. They cannot be revoked. You have an anointing that destroys the yoke in you. How about you have a destiny that can't be stopped? Now let's give the Lord praise for that. Hallelujah. That's who you are. That's who you are. And I pray that if anything I've done is get you stirred up, that time is short. Time is short. Time is short. After I got over my sister passing away, I didn't get over it, but after I tried to work through it, I just said, God, I guess there was something far greater in for her, so I have to accept. She knew the Lord. Thank goodness the last seven years, my sister really made some lot of changes in her life. Really, Probably the best seven years of her entire life was the last seven years. So it was very difficult. To, to see God take her when she has two little grandchildren in her house who when we went to bury her you know Wayne is, and I were so tore up but what the Lord said to me that I mean I'm going to be 56 that would be only four more years then I got to preach four more years do you understand we don't have a promise of tomorrow there was no reason for her to die. But I will not hate God. Evidently, you know, she could have had something so bad and suffered. He knew her future. Guess what? He was hers already. So I pray that you get serious about your life. And you get serious about God. Because He's the only thing that will keep you and sustain you. And when we go through another battle, because we will, till Jesus comes. You are going to stand on the rooftop of this city and you're going to declare the work of the Lord. And you're, not, you're going to be up there and you're going to be praying on that rooftop. You're going to whatever you got to do to get the attention of the lost, to preach love, to preach grace, to preach Jesus. Amen.